Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Cricket Social. I'm Akshay and with me is my co-host Chanak. And on this podcast, we ramble about all things cricket on the field and off it as well. Oh, he's hit this one, Miles. Great shot. Oh, it's a biggie. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. In the air, Srijan takes it. India win. Welcome back to another episode of the Cricket Social. Today, we have a special guest on the show. Now, he may not be a millennial, but the enthusiasm and love for cricket that this man has, it's enough to put any millennial to shame, including us. With that, I introduce to you Professor Noel Hayden, who is going to give us a short intro about himself. Much appreciated. Well, a bit about me. I am, as you say, I'm not a millennial. I am actually 56 <laughs> years old. I was born in 1964 in Trinidad and Tobago in the West Indies. Um, and I grew up there um, wow. running track and field and playing soccer for my high school. And uh, I played some cricket, we call it intramural, between classes. Um, and, and I'll tell you quickly, a quick story, my first ever intramural cricket game, because I was great in the field, but I was a terrible batsman. We were down, <laughs> they brought me in at number 10, and we were down by nine runs. And I was there swinging that bat really hard, and the ball wasn't going anywhere. Then the guy at the other end, who was our opener, but he was still standing, came and said, my nickname in Trinidad is Tom. He says, Tom, time the ball. It's not about strength, it's about timing. I scored eight runs after that, a four, and then we did, I hit hit two, uh, got two twos, and we won that game. But anyway, that was my intro to playing cricket. I moved to the U.S. Um, about 30 years ago and uh, got into um, banking and uh, marketing and advertising. And then I did my Ph.D. and became a college professor. That's how I met you folks. Hey, that's a that's a terrific intro. Like, I wish I yeah, had a story that... like that. Like, I won the game, game for my team. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, my first memory of cricket has, like, it's very benign as compared to what, what you just reminded us of. So, yeah, kudos, good it job was, for winning that game, though. <laughs> it was also humbling, though, because I hit the ball as hard as I could, and it would go nowhere. And in Trinidad, <laughs> what was popular at the time, we played cricket with a tennis ball. And with a tennis ball, if you hit it, you know, like a ball you play um, lawn tennis with, if you hit that really hard, it goes far, right? But right, yeah. ball, it's less about brute force. Even if you hit fours and sixes, it's about timing and catching the flight of the ball. And I learned that very quickly, you know, that playing real cricket is not the same as playing cricket with a tennis ball and a piece <laughs> of wood. <laughs> so were you trying to emulate somebody, uh, you know, one of the West Indian greats well, from the well, 1960s or 70s? 1979, around there. And I, I wanted to be like Viv Richards, swagger, but okay. I was more like yeah. Little Richard. I had the swagger, but not the skill. Not the, you know. So you're, you're almost halfway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that swagger. I even came in chewing gum. <laughs> but I, uh, I was going there. What I should have been, you know, I, I wasn't, but I saved the team and I was a hero for like a week. You know how secondary. Yeah. yeah. Hey, all, that's all that matters. You won the game. 
That's yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Right. So that's me. So that's me, Hayden Tom Noel, professor at University of Illinois. So then, how did it go from there? Did you ever think of, uh, you know, being a professional cricketer? How was it seeing Wave Richards and then trying to emulate or maybe even trying to get yeah. a little bit of swagger now well, that you I, have I already won a match for your team? Or not, but I would say that my cricket career began and, and my, <laughs> wearing pads and playing with a real cricket ball and a cork ball and so on playing that type of cricket that was only in secondary school um i never moved past that and at that time i um i was pretty good in track you know i actually was our national under 14 champion in that age group age group under 16 for the 400 meters so i was pretty good in track so i stayed with track and field you know i I, if i were half as good in cricket as i were in track I would have been a pretty decent um, cricketer. <laughs> I, I was nowhere. So I, I limited my <laughs> participation to watching, analyzing, learning, enjoying. Because at the time, in the 70s, when I was in my teens, right, it really was an important time for West Indies cricket. You know, scientists talk about this thing called the reminiscence bump. The reminiscence bump, when people are older, they say, what times in your life you remember the most? And most people end up saying that the, the experiences they talk about are between the ages of 16 and 24, right? And people believe it's because that's when your sense of self and sense of identity is created. It's called the reminiscence bump. Fortunately for me, between the yeah. ages of 16 and 24, the West Indies went through... Uh, 27 tests without defeat, right? <laughs> and uh, and at one point, they won 11, exactly. they had yeah. 11 consecutive test victories in 84, 1984. So I lived in a time, the time that I remember in my life, just generally in terms of memories, is the time that coincides with the West Indies glory day. So I was, uh, I have actually been fortunate that when people asked me about cricket and my memories, they all they they mainly positive, you know. If you ask a West Indian millennial about cricket, travel, <laughs> fine. Yeah, yeah. We, we wouldn't we wouldn't do that to anyone. Like, no, yeah, no, don't no. do that. That's cruel and unusual punishment. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but it's an interesting thing that you mentioned, right? Like right when about like when you entered your teen is when the time like the first and second World Cricket World Cup happened, and you guys won that dominatingly, right? So yes. what was the vibe like like you know because i know around the same time there was the whole tony greg thing where he made comment about like the west indies cricket team and there was this fire to like you know prove it to the world and then you guys went ahead and won the first two world cups what, yes. what was the vibe in the nation at that well time? i i will tell you um i remember in the 70s well let me let me back up right let me start from the beginning we, we had to talk about history in the 60s, in the 60s, the West Indies yeah. cricket captain, in the 40s and 50s, the team was mixed, you know, a lot of white people and so on. Um, in the 60s, the captain, even though no matter the number of people, Indians or Africans on the team, the captain was always white. Larry Constantine was a captain at one point for three years and so But But um, for the most part, up until that point, I mean, and we... There was mainly a, a, a captain of sort of English stock, you know? And oh, yeah. So we had this, uh, 
there was this sort of dislike. It was a political thing in our view. It was an anti-colonial sort of a, a, attitude. And it was fomented. It was made even stronger by um, our intellectual leaders like C.L.R. James and Eric Williams and people from Jamaica and so on. C.L.R. James wrote a book called Beyond the Boundary about cricket. And he spoke about... Um, you know, fighting, using that as a tool, right? We wanted, we really using it to bring the countries together. But he also had a very anti-colonial mindset. And reading those things and reading his book influenced me and us, a lot of West Indians. So we did not like the English. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah pretty, much, pretty much the whole world, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but no, yeah. like and, yeah. you know you watch things like that you used to call the British Empire games which are all the Commonwealth games we would cheer for anybody to win yeah. but the British and unfortunately the Australians so when 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 uh, people like when we when we went to I think in the 75 76 era that period we would the captain was Clive Lloyd and we were kind of on an up, upswing. And I just started secondary school. And we went to Australia and we lost, right? We got drubbed. We lost one to five or something like that. We lost badly. And then we went to India and we won, it was, <laughs> we won two of the matches then. It was a five test, five matches. One, two, two were drawn and India won one. So we won, you know, so the two to one. And when we were going to, to uh, uh, England, Tony Gregg said, you know, once you get on top of them, they are going to fold. We are going to make them grovel. Right? And, and the thing is, what made it worse for some people was <laughs> yeah. that he was South African. And at the time, you know, they had this big free South African movement. Oh, yeah. People yeah. didn't like that. So they attached a sort of racial tinge to it, although Tony Gregg has denied that. He's always said it's not. He just, he was interviewed after. He puts his foot in his mouth, right? He said, he said he's always good for people for, for writing articles because he always says the wrong thing. But when he said that, I remember reading um, and watching this. There's a, there's a um, fire down below is a, documentary about the West Indies team, especially the four fast bowlers. The four horsemen, right? That's what they yes, call them. The four horsemen <laughs> of the apocalypse, the horsemen of death. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was he, Holding, Garner, uh, Roberts, yeah. and Croft, Colin Croft. Croft. Yep, Colin Croft. Yep. But and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and all, all, all over six feet. Over 19 miles per hour, yeah. a fast ball, bowling. Oof. But, but at the time, Andy Roberts, they called Andy yeah. Roberts the hitman, huh? <laughs> and Andy Robert when you're interviewed, he say they say, Why call you yeah. hitman? I say they call me the hitman. He say, I don't go out to hit people, <laughs> but it's just that a lot of people get hit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go out to hit them, they just get hit, but they'll move out the way, you know. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> so so um we went there and Clive Lloyd, it's reported Clive Lloyd told them, fellas, look at this. This we have to show them. And even the um, the the English cricketers were upset. Some of them say, why this guy going and says, why give them more fire, right? And we went out there and at the time um, be, you, you couldn't fire up Andy Roberts even more. 
There are clips showing and pictures showing the English cricketers with bruises all over their bodies because of the bowling. And in yeah. the end, in the end, Greg, yeah. he he had a sense of humor because they played in front the last one in Kensington in Kennington. They say it might as well have been called Kensington Oval in, in Jamaica. It, it was Kennington. With the or the crowd was mainly, I think, seventy percent West Indian, and they were cheering and so on. And when he, when Greg was out, they say Greg, who's groveling now, and he was coming off the pitch, off the field, and he went on all fours with his bat and he groveled. He stood up, he stood up and held the bat and cheered <laughs> him, right? Like, okay, you know. So he was actually. Honestly, I think he just it was just an act of bravado. I don't think it was racism. Colonial bravado is not well accepted in the Caribbean. Right? <laughs> you, know, like you 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 came and took stuff from our country, now you're telling us you make us grovel? No. Yeah. So yeah. that was my, my time in the seventies, you know, going through that and seeing that um that victory. So did did you get a chance to watch any of these games live in the in the stadium? And how how did it feel at that time? Yeah, you know, because right now it's cricket has become more like yeah, a festival, yeah. and there's music and and you know drinks and all those things. We, what, what what was the culture at that would, point of time? What how did tell you in the Caribbean? We are an easygoing people. You know, we will share. We will. There's no doubt about that. Like, I think uh, the most easygoing people yeah. who are playing cricket are from Caribbean, and I guess. You go to, in any league. Everybody enjoys yeah, having yeah. you know Caribbean players in their team, not just yes, for cricket, exactly. but life after we, cricket as the, well. The thing is, um, I think it, for the most part, it's part of our nature. We try not to let too much bother us, so we don't like to lose. But if we do, we could take a smile because I remember going there. There, um, there was a game we played. I, I was a one day, but before that, we were playing a test against Australia with Lillian Thompson in seventy in the seventies. And Lillian Thompson were heck, they, they were excellent bowlers, and we were out. They beat us and so on. And after the game was over, there were people in the Oval still playing music and singing and stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, he's going uh, case in point, and this is a football story. We played a football qualifier in 1989 against the USA to qualify for 90 World Cup. We lost, right? The football game. All we had to do was draw. We lost one nil, and afterwards, people were crying and so on. Literally, big men and women crying. They still went out on the street, beating the steel drum, the steel pan, chipping down the road and singing to to get over the. The sorrow, you know, was no more wailing. We're like, hey, let's just enjoy the moment. And that's how it was. We enjoyed the moment as spectators. And these people were heroes. Um, but if they failed, we didn't always crucify them, you know? I guess that's completely opposite of, you know, where uh, Indian cricket or Indian spectators lie. They, they make them God yeah. in one inning or one match. And then the other inning, if you lose... Uh, especially yes. against arch rivals like Pakistan, uh, yeah, they they make a big deal out of it. They attack families, so that's that's I think the the spirit of West Indian cricket. I think that's what yes. everybody yes, appreciates exactly. it a lot. Exactly, and and I think that's important. Huh? It, you you have to 
I remember once I heard Richard say, he said, you always have to forget the ball before. Meaning, if you played a bad stroke, you can't say, oh man, that's going to bother me. Uh, you know, and that's, that was symptomatic of, yeah. of a West Indian approach. Hey, we cannot harp on that bad time. We have to focus on, on moving forward and the positive, you know. So there was swag and there, there was some method to it no, as well, no, right? It no. was not just all style and go and out and back to back bowlers. Yeah. James in his book, Beyond the Boundary, you have to read it. Says cricket is like an art, but like all art, it has a technical foundation. Yeah, it's like an art, but by like all art, it has a technical mm-hmm. foundation, and you have to know the technical in order to be successful with the art. You know, so he recognized that, and that is so true. You know, we have you were talking about the bravado of Richards and the flair of uh, Brian Lara, but they were excellent technicians. Huh? excellent technicians they knew they would measure they would interpret and analyze before they make a stroke it's not just out of you know you have to have the natural skill but they would study bowlers Lara talked about that studying the you know the idiosyncrasies of different bowlers to take advantage of their weakness I think that's that's the key to having such a long career or like such a memorable career right because someone coming into the game and scoring 100 in the first game and then you never hear their names. Yes. As opposed to someone like Lara or Vivian, it's been like good 20 years, 30 years since they last played cricket. But here we are still talking about them, right? So exactly. I, that, that's the foundation that speaks for itself, right? Like it's yes. not just flash in the pan, but it's like based on solid foundations. Exactly, exactly. That's so true. So true. Speaking of players that we like, you grew up in an era where the West Indian team was be all and end all of cricket, right? But mm-hmm. were there any other players around the globe that you like revered or like you know loved watching? Well, well, I will tell you the um, and and this is somehow saving till the end, but I'll tell you now. One of my favorite was a little short man called Sunil Gavaska. <laughs> he was, you know. He was actually about 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> he was tiny. Um, and he said that yeah. actually helped him against the West Indies because dominated the West Indies for a long time, right? He, um, I think when he debuted against us in 1971, he scored a world record 774, yep. 774 runs, if I'm correct. It might be 778, but somewhere around there. I remember those figures. 774 runs in a series and you're talking about he had a hundred and a double hundred in the same match (laughs) so so you you, when you see that I remember him well I remember him really really well I was talking to and this I was saving for I I want to tell you I had a surprise for you I actually met Clive Lloyd in London and he was telling me Yep, Sir Clive Lloyd. And he was telling me some stories about cricket and so on. One thing I remember he told me is that when we asked about the West Indies, now he said they need more mentoring. He said, when you had long ago uh, a young player coming in, we always used to have him room with an old player. Never would you put two young players together or you would just leave them by themselves. Uh-huh. They have their own room. They do what they want. Say, And it helped with discipline. And a lot of the conversations the older players would have with the younger ones were about technique and cricket. And so it wasn't just, you know, what you're going to eat tonight. 
So he said, right. we, need, we need more of that mentorship, that mentoring. But I'm telling you about Gavaskar. He said they had heard that Gavaskar actually was, uh, had some pe- a piece of ice or something stuck in a tooth cavity at the, on the eve of the test. And he was in excruciating pain for the, like, the, during the match, right? And he didn't want to, and the, the Indians didn't want to um, let him go to a dentist because they were worried about him being on, on painkillers and so on. So he actually played more of that test series in pain. And he didn't, you know, and he said, but it was one. And, and, and another, two other interesting things. One was, um, he also said, can I would be in this list. And this is how cricket was at the time, right? He went, when Gavaskar played a ball and he didn't play it well, can I would go, ah, you know, because we, the, the players themselves wanted to play against the best. Right, so yeah. They, not that rooting for him to beat them, but they rooting for him to play well. Right. right? And I'm like, wow, I, would, I wouldn't do that, but <laughs> about the highest level of cricket. And Ran Kana at the time was one of our elder statesmen. Huh? He, he was from Guyana. A wonderful cricketer, and he had actually captained the team before before Lloyd. So hmm. it was, that was interesting. But I'm telling you, Gavaskar became one of my heroes and someone I looked up to. It 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 was at a point. I'll tell you one last thing. We actually made there was actually a song made about him, a calypso made about Gavaskar because he was so good. Right, I mean, scoring so many runs. He scored two hundred and twenty right. runs in under in like five hundred minutes. Come on, yeah. Crazy. Especially for that that era, it's it's really really fun. <laughs> yeah, but I I like I like Gavaskar. But uh, um, we could end. I'll tell you about the clip. So uh, at the end of the broadcast that we made for Gavaskar, you know. Yeah, I'm sure Gavaskar <laughs> must be very happy listening to this. And the thing is, I'll uh, tell you. Andy Roberts talks about the fact that Gavaskar, we made, the Calypso was made in 71, but we were still playing it years later. I still know all the words. And Robert said he played the song for Gavaskar when they were in England in 1974, 75. And he had never heard the song before. And he said, wow, he really liked the fact that people um, <laughs> were singing his name, you know? So... I mean, that, that's the utmost respect as a sports person you can get, right? No matter yeah. where you go, the people revere you. And irrespective of the fact they support your team, they still acknowledge your greatness, right? As a sports Absolutely. person, I, I can't imagine like a better accolade than that. I think if your opposition kind of appreciates you after a knock or yeah, a game, yeah. that Absolutely. means you've really played Absolutely. well. So, and they yeah. know you play fair, yeah. right? You're, you're, you're fair and, and you beat them. Right. You beat them at this sport. And by the way, that was the first time India had ever beaten the West Indies in a test, eh? 1971. They hadn't beaten them before that. And he came and he did. Oh, yeah. he, he, we could not get him out at all. He is <laughs> a magician, five foot five inches. And somebody similar from 70s and 80s, right? Uh, you know, just most of the West Indians were, were kind of called to have that swagger and style. And uh, from India, it was Kapil Dev. I don't know what are your views on, on Kapil Dev. Did you ever get a chance to see him? Uh, because in 1983, he pretty much broke your your streak of winning the World Cups. You won in 75, 79. In 83, you were almost winning it. 
but then Kapil Dev pulled it back in that second innings. Well, what, I, I remember, what do you think about uh, him? I think he was the Indian cricketer of the century at some point, um, and I do remember that he was good at so many things. Right, he was so many things. He um, was an all rounder, and I liked I liked how he commanded the yeah. team. Right, I like that because he captained the team for a while. Um, and then he coached for, yeah. for a couple of years, but the records he set for the greatest number of wickets taken in, te- in, a, in a test match it lasted for a while. It was only broken eventually by Courtney Walsh. So Great. this guy, I mean, yep, he as one of the highest wicket takers in test cricket for, uh, is uh, totally. And I think he was the highest wicket taker, Indian wicket taker, period, for a long time. He's someone who's always had my respect. Always had my respect. It's a weird thing. I actually, how can I put this? I, I love Gabaska. I I have Vivrichards on a cricketing pedestal. Brian Lara, the four horsemen, but all-rounders like Kapil Dev and Sobers, Sogartin Sobers. I, um, I hold them separately because they can do so much. They can do so much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's rare, right? Even in this age, you don't see many all-rounders coming yeah. in and performing for decades uh, for their team consistently. So, yeah, I think that's why Kapil Dev, I, at least in India, he's considered that guy who kind of, uh, you know, inspired a whole lot of uh, uh, people and, and a new generation yeah. altogether yeah. Yeah. after the 1983 World Cup victory. Especially against yeah. a team like West Indies, like uh, who, come and win. who had been cruising. Yeah, that time period, that uh, 83 period was wonderful. I mean, for, for India especially, you know, we, um, the West Indies, I remember Viv played, Viv was playing really well and scoring quickly and so on. But um, he, we came up yeah. against a, a wonderful team. Came up against a wonderful team, and if I remember correctly, <laughs> and I would, why I remember this is because of your opponent, you beat England in the semi-finals that year. Because I watched <laughs> that test, I watched that World Cup. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry for any English fans listening, but I always want India to beat England. I want, I want Kenya to beat England. <laughs> and you beat, you beat England and Dev was really good at during that time. I think he, he was taking wickets and so on and took out the middle order for for, uh, uh, for England. Wonderful. I was cheering for India then. I was for India. And at the time, at the time, we actually had yeah. won World Cup titles, the West Indies. And we were going for the hat trick, so to speak. So we were we were great. We were in great shape. Yeah. And then we run up against Capital Devon's team. And and then um what's his name? Um Madden. Yeah. I'm trying to remember Madden Lal. Madden yeah. Lal. So I think even in the first innings, you guys almost got got us, right? One eighty three in sixty overs is not a big deal. But it was the second innings the way Indians bowled. And and that famous couple they catch of uh, Viv Richards who who kind of came yes. in and he started thrashing one, Indian one bowlers. Leg. But that, leg. I, I remember <laughs> that game. Yes, yeah. Going backwards and good. catching and you, But you yeah. also had people there. You had a good team. Yeah. I mean, come on, it was just Dev. You had Sharma and Patil. Roger Bini, Sandeep Patil. Yeah, the, those are all I good. I could never yeah. pronounce his name yeah. properly. I just Krishna. Yeah, <laughs> he's one funny character in that uh, team. Uh, 
think he he was an entertainer whether you're winning or losing so I remind you though just pointing it out after the world cup that year you hosted the west indies team for a test series and a one day series we won the test series 3-0 and the one day series 5-0 Five zero. I, I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we have to accept it. And if you're losing to a better team, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no shame in doing that. Right? Cup, yeah. So I think it was just like payback for like beating yeah, you in the yeah. World Cup. They were like, you know what? We have had enough of this, and now we're gonna go to their home and beat them up. So. Yeah, <laughs> actually, we actually played in a. Yep. I remember once when you guys we we won, but in that in that test, um, Dev took nine wickets for eighty runs. Nine wickets, eh? For eighty, eight, I'll be offered the number. I think it's between eighty and and like ninety. But I just remember marveling at that, saying to my my dad at the time, nine runs a wicket. <laughs> so that was that was something yeah. else, and then after, of course, Gavaskar took over as captain in in like eighty four, eighty five when Dev left. Wow, I I think yeah. brought up Capital Dev. I forgot, I didn't forget about him, but Gavaskar was my. He's the person I would say is someone I revered the most as an Indian cricketer because uh, I I saw him destroyer Dev. I did, but the, at the time with Capital Dev, we were so dominant. That he didn't stand out, and he stood out because he he's the one who won the World Cup. I think without him, India would not have won that World Cup in 1983. Oh, it wouldn't have been possible. That's for sure. But, yep. but I will tell you, Gavaskar is one. Gavaskar has the the accolades and the the songs and the chants in the in the knees. Imagine yeah. your opposition, your opposition in favor yeah. of you. Come on, man. <laughs> and maybe it's more like a batsman's ah, yeah. game, right? People always remember uh, players scoring runs. Uh, then you do remember some wickets and some hat tricks, but uh, it it has always been a batsman's game. So you can only imagine why Gavaskar was more popular than Kapil Dev. Although although both of them I kind agree. of contributed equally to Indian cricket. True, I would say. And and some might say Kapil Dev contributed more because of. Of how how he managed the team and he ran the team and so on as captain, you know, and he won the the, the at yeah. the time when Gavaskar beat us, we would necessarily consider the best team in the world. But when Kapil Dev's team beat us, right, we were the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we were the best team in the world. Well, that's all we had for this episode of the Cricket Social. Do join us next week as we continue our interview with Professor Noel. Next week, we're going to be talking about the modern game and how it has evolved as a product to meet the market demands. Until then, stay home and stay safe.